All right, with that, let's uh, jump into today's uh, sermon. Uh, I want to start with a question, but my question is for those who are in middle school, high school, or college. All right, so moms and dads, everyone else, just kind of remain quiet, just listen in as I ask them a, a few questions. All right, so middle school, high school, and college students. What do you think is the purpose of school? Now, don't, don't say anything out loud yet. I just want you to think for a second. What is the purpose of school? Do you think the purpose of school is to find friends? No, that is not the purpose of school, just so, so you all know. All right, now, don't, don't get me wrong. Finding friends is fun. It's good. I mean, you need social skills. School is a great place to learn how to work with others. It's very needed out in the workforce, but that is not the purpose of school. All right, so, okay, so maybe the purpose of school, because uh, if you're homeschooled, you, you know, you're, you have to be friends with your siblings, you know, so that's not the purpose of school. So, if you, maybe the purpose of school is to get good grades. Is that the purpose? My son's looking at me quite skeptically. I don't think so. And I'm pretty sure he's like a 4.0. Right, no, that is not the purpose of school. All right. Now, again, don't get me wrong. Getting good grades is good. In fact, there are some colleges or grad schools that won't let you in unless you achieve a certain level academically. There are even some jobs that won't hire you unless they see that you're at a certain place in, in certain scores. So getting good grades is important, but it's not the primary purpose of school. So you're probably thinking, I know what the answer is. The primary purpose of school is to regurgitate facts. At least that's what my teachers think based on the tests that they give me and they want me to know that in 1799 such and such happened. Okay, no, that is not the primary purpose of school. Now, it is impressive when you can pull out a math equation, uh, you know, tell us uh, you know, some tidbit from history and you can go on and explain things in depth. That's impressive and important. But again, it is not the primary purpose of school. Now, as I was putting this together, I thought I knew the answer. And then I realized I am not in the field of education. I'm married to someone who is. My mom was a teacher. But I probably should call in an expert just to make sure that I'm not off base. So I, I have a friend who's in the field of education. In fact, uh, he was first a math teacher. Then he, he was a, a coordinator of curriculum for a school district before he got his doctorate. He now actually teaches people classes that they have to take in order to become a principal or a superintendent. All right? So this dude knows his stuff. In fact, he's even written books on education. He has a book on grading. Like, that would put me to sleep. And yet, this is what he's published. In fact, this friend of mine, he's got over 9,000 followers on Twitter and almost all of them are about education. All right, this dude is an expert. So I called him up. Oh, by the way, some of you know my friend. His name's Matt Townsley. Dr. Matt Townsley, who many of you know as husband to Cassie, father to four awesome kids, an elder at Riverwood. You may not have realized he's an expert in education. So I called him up and I said, hey, would you help me with my opening illustration? What is the purpose of school? He's like, well, you know, Aaron, there's a, just a little bit of debate about this, but if you ask the majority of teachers, they'd say the purpose of school is to learn. That's it. It's to learn. Now, it used to just be you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic, but now you've thrown in industrial arts and, and physical education and, and music and you know, singing and, and instruments. You, know, you throw all of it in, but the purpose is to learn. That's the purpose of school. But now imagine someone thinks the purpose of school is to find friends, and so they ignore the learning. 
They, they don't do any of the homework. They don't you know, want to take any of the tests because to them, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to find friends. So they, they well, they wouldn't graduate, but you know, they feel like, hey, I've got a ton of friends. Everyone likes me, but they can't seem to get into the college that they want because they didn't bother learning. Or, or imagine someone thinks the goal is to get a great GPA. It's all about the grade. So they work so hard to get it. But when they get a job, suddenly they find out that their boss is not impressed with their GPA. Their boss just wants them to show up on time. Right? Suddenly they realize, like, oh, maybe the purpose wasn't what I thought it was. How sad to think here's what the purpose is when the reality is something different. The reason I bring this up it's because that is exactly what a number of people have done with the Bible. They think they know exactly the purpose of the scriptures, but they end up being wrong. Now, as I say that, some of you might be a little shocked because that sounds incredibly arrogant. For me to be standing on a stage saying, well, there's people who think they know the purpose of the Bible, but they're wrong. And now I, the expert, am going to tell them exactly what it is. Others of you, though, internally, you're nodding your head. You're going, yeah. Because then inside, you're thinking, I could think of that like person or that whole group, that whole like, tribe of Christianity. They've got it all wrong. Thing is, though, it's not just limited to one group of Christianity or one subsection of, of humanity. Many people, Christians included, have this wrong. And the reason I say this is because today, as we talk about the purpose of the Bible some of you are going to discover you've had it wrong. But I don't say this so that you will feel shame, embarrassed, feel like a failure. Instead, my hope is, as you hear why God gave us the scriptures, it will actually encourage you and inspire you. And you won't feel like, oh no, I'm a total screw-up because I had it wrong. Instead, you'll find yourself, I want to come to the scriptures. I want to put the Bible in its proper place in my life. Because God has a very specific reason for it. And that's what I hope you'll discover today. So as we get ready to jump into the scriptures, let me just pray uh, quickly. Heavenly Father, we are about to come to your timeless word. So would you speak to us through it exactly what we need to hear? Uh, as, whether we're uh, here in person or online or listen to the podcast later in the week, we are all at different places spiritually. And so God, that's why I ask for you to do what only you can do that you would take this one message and you would use it in multiple ways to impact the hearts of all those who listen to this so that you can accomplish in us what you want to for your glory and for our joy. So God, would you be our teacher now? And it's in your name we pray to you. Amen. So if you brought a Bible, I'm going to invite you to open it up to the book of 2 Timothy. If you have a Bible on your phone, feel free to pull that out. If you're not quite sure where 2 Timothy is, you can kind of use the little cheat sheet that's on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. We are going to put the scripture up there. I really want you to be able to read along with us. We just really encourage you, though, get a Bible. Here we are doing a finish up a series today on putting the Bible in its place. We want it to be a, the place in your hands and in your heart. So if you need a Bible, we've got some back on our Give and Grow table. Please take one of those, and that's our gift to you. Or download a Bible to your phone, or if you're online, you can go over to the Bible tab and click on that and, and use that this morning. But I want you to be able to read this uh, with us today. If you're a first-time guest with us or, or just haven't been uh, connected with Riverwood for a bit, we've been in this four-week series on uh, the scriptures, and every week we've begun with 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. So we're going to read that one more time. 
but we've been in it each time, and it's been launching us out into other passages, which is what it's going to do today. But today, we get to kind of stick with this a little longer than the other weeks, because God has something here for us in revealing that purpose. So let me read aloud as you silently read along, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Through this series, uh, we've been seeing a number of things. In week one, we looked at that very first phrase. We saw how all and every part of Scripture has been breathed out by God. And he did this through 40 different authors using their unique stories and backgrounds and personalities to put together this incredible, comprehensive, a unique book known as the Bible, a collection of books spanning 1,500 years, 66 different books. But that's kind of mystical. It's kind of weird. An invisible God writing this through these human authors and so that's why in week two, we saw how the scriptures are reliable. We saw six pieces of evidence that help us to see the Bible is something we can trust. And then last week, we saw how God has then collected it all together into 39 books in what we call the Old Testament and 27 books in what we call the New Testament and how we can trust that we have exactly what God wants us to read. But with all that, we've not stopped and asked why. We've been seeing how, but we've not asked, but Why? Why did God write this? And that gets answered in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. However, a month ago, if you'd asked me, so Aaron, using 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 as your answer, why did God give us the Bible? What is the purpose of it? I would have taken you to verse 16. But now I'm convinced that the part I would have pointed out is not the purpose. Let me explain. I would have gone to, in verse 16, to the section where it says that the Bible is for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. I would have said, that's the purpose right there. But the more I've studied and the more I've thought about it, the more I'm now convinced that's not the purpose. Let me explain. The first one there is that it is profitable for teaching. It's obvious that I love to teach, and I think the Bible does teach us a lot. I think it teaches us about God, it teaches us about Jesus, about his coming, about his death, his resurrection. I, I think the Bible teaches us about life and, and relationships. I mean, it teaches us so much. That's why, as we saw in the, in the, uh, as we talked about the canon of the scriptures, that the Bible is sufficient to teach us about life and doctrine. It teaches us a lot, but I don't think that's the primary purpose. Let me explain. Imagine a spectrum, all right? It starts at the top going down. And that is the view of the scripture. So people are all over that spectrum. So on the high view, you'd have someone like me, someone who, who believes that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. That means that it is without error in the original documents, right? So that's a high view. If you come down lower, you might have someone who says, well, the Bible is from God, but because he used human authors, there's errors in it. We don't know exactly where those errors are, but, but there are some errors. So we, we have, to, have to read it kind of carefully. You could go even lower, and some people would say, well, you know, it's not from God. It's from human authors, but they had good intentions behind it. Or you could even go lower, and someone might say, ah, it's all a bunch of baloney. It's, it's a myth. You know, it, it's actually being used by people to manipulate and control the masses, 
it, it, you just need to get rid of it. So someone with a high view would read the passages in scriptures, we'll see one of them later today, that says that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, right? So I would believe, and, and you hear me teach regularly here at Riverwood, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And I get that because of my high view of scripture. Someone with a lower view might say, well, you know, I'm not comfortable with that idea because that would be cosmic child abuse. For God the Father to send his son to die? Like, I just couldn't worship and follow a God who would do that. But if you look at the story of Jesus and you see what he went through in the cross and you see how he persevered, now that can teach me how when I go through something really, really difficult, I could persevere through this. You see, both the high and the low think the Bible's teaching them something. They, they come at it differently, but, but they, they say, yeah, that's something I can learn. This is why I don't believe the Bible is just simply for teaching. Because really, anyone could learn something from it and take it and then just go, okay, I'm great, I'm done. Because if that's all the Bible's for, then I don't think God's accomplished what he really wants to accomplish. So I don't think it's just for teaching. As good and necessary as teaching is, I, I think God has something more. All right, so how about the next uh, word? Next word there is for reproof. Uh, the word reproof can also be translated rebuke or even refute. Now, if you're like me, you may look at that and say, well, then what's the difference with the next word, correction? Because when I think of correction, I think of being rebuked or something to be refuted. Well, actually, the connotation around uh, correction is restoration or improvement. Think of it like correcting your posture. Yeah, it's kind of saying something's wrong, but it's really, I want to get you to a better place. So th think of it like this. If you are a parent and you have a young child and they run out into the middle of the street, when you yell at them, that is your reproof, your rebuke. You're trying to get their attention. But then you pull them out of the street, back into the yard, and you get down at their level and you hug them and you look at them and you explain, you correct to improve things so that they don't do it again. So one, I guess, gets your attention. The other one, now, let's change things. Let's get you back on the path. Let's get you where we want you to go. The Bible is profitable for reproof and correction. What I find interesting is that many of us don't like or don't want or even don't let the Bible to reprove us or correct us. In fact, what I've discovered is that many of us want to reprove and correct the Bible. We, we use our own biases, our culture, our, our own sense of what seems right. And so we read something that, that confronts us and we go, you know what, I, I don't think so. And so we try to go and explain it away and, and, and correct it. it. It's a little bit of the Thomas Jefferson approach to the scriptures. Some of you know this, but if you don't, Thomas Jefferson infamously took a Bible and cut it apart and pulled out the parts that he thought that's really from the scriptures and then pasted that in and the rest he threw away. Many of us don't have the guts to actually do that with our Bible, but that's what we do in our hearts and minds. We're like, oh, I, I don't think I really like that one. You know what? So we're just going to set that one aside. I don't think that, you know, that may have been good for that day and age, but that, that's not really for us anymore. Instead, God is saying, the scriptures, they're to be effective to reprove you, to refute where you're wrong, and help you understand where you need to be corrected and improved. Uh, some of you have heard of uh, Augustine, the uh, church father, Augustine of Hippo. Some people call him St. Augustine. Uh, some of you have read his confessions. Um, he has a sermon where he said this about the scriptures. He says, the scriptures are holy. They are truthful. They are blameless. So we have no grounds at all for blaming scripture if we happen to deviate in any way. 
because we haven't understood it. When we do understand it, we are right. But when we have gone wrong, we don't make out the scripture to be wrong. It continues to stand upright, straight and, uh, and right so that we may return to it for correction. So the Bible, it is to reprove us. It is to correct us. But again, I don't think that's its primary purpose. I, I still think there's something more with it. So how about the, the last one there? The, the last word there is training. But notice it doesn't just say to train us. It says to train us in righteousness. It is training us to live like Jesus lived and love like Jesus loved. Training us to become more like him. Just like a triathlete has to train their body so they can accomplish the swim, the bike, and the run. God is wanting to train us into that image of Jesus. Now I think we're getting closer to the purpose. Why did God give us the scriptures? Yeah, it's to train us, but I think we're still not quite there. I think now the answer is found in verse 17. Why did God give us the scriptures? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The purpose for the Bible is that the man and woman of God may be complete. But what does it mean to be complete? The uh, Net Bible, which I use almost every week in my study, they have uh, these translator notes helping you understand. The Net Bible, in their translation, they said uh, that the man of God would be uh, capable. Right? But they put a, a note there, and they said that this word that they translated capable, it's positioned in the sentence for special emphasis. It carries the sense, the connotation of complete, competent, able to meet all demands. In other words, no matter what is thrown at it, it's up to the task. It can handle it. God is wanting to build within you this capability to handle no matter what is thrown at you. That when the doctor says it's cancer, you can handle it. That when someone says, I need help, you can handle it. When someone says, I just need someone to listen to me, you can handle it. But the Greek dictionary that the Net Bible uses actually takes it one step further. It says that the word there for capable, for complete, is also the word for perfect. So now let me ask you the most basic, obvious Sunday school question ever uttered in church history who is the only person to have ever lived who was complete and perfect? Thank you. So now, what is this verse saying? That the purpose of the scriptures is that the man and woman of God may be like Jesus. That they may be perfect and complete, just like the one who was able to handle every good work or everything thrown at him. The way I'm putting it today is that the purpose of the scriptures is to reveal Christ to us and to reveal Christ in us. Let's talk about that first part. I think the purpose of the scripture is to reveal Christ to us. The purpose is not just to teach us about Christ. It's to go further. It's to reveal him to us. At Riverwood, uh, some of you know we have what we call the Riverwood Way. We have this on our website. If you go through Riverwood 101, we, we kind of walk through it. But we believe that God gave the scriptures to point us to Christ. And so we say that the Old Testament points to Jesus. The four gospels uh, uh, 
present Jesus, and the rest of the New Testament uh, uh, proclaims him. That's what we want to do at Riverwood. We want to point to him, we want to present him, we, we want to proclaim him. The, the scriptures are presenting to us, revealing to us Jesus. We saw this last week as we talked about the canon. As we talked about the Old Testament, we saw that what we call the Old Testament, the Jewish people called the Tanakh. That The Tanakh was structured a bit differently, but pretty much what the content they had is what we have today. But they structured it in law, prophets, and what they called the writings. Jesus, after his resurrection, tells people that the, the law, the prophets, and the writings all point to me. The, the Apostle Paul backs this up um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance. So I, I preached to you, I gave to you what I considered to be the most important thing. What I, and it's what he also received. That Christ died for our sins. But it isn't just that Christ died for our sins. It's in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So twice there, in the same sentence, he uses that phrase. This is Paul's way of saying the Bible is all about Jesus. It is all about his coming, his death, his resurrection. It is about the gospel. So the purpose of the Bible is to reveal him to us because it's all about him, which tells me a couple of different things. First, if the Bible is all about Jesus, it means the Bible is not about me. The Bible is not about you. Now, I believe the Bible is for you, but it's not about you. As you read it, I believe it will teach you, reprove you, correct you, and train you. But it is not really about you. Let, let me give you an example, and I've used this example before. Some people, when they read the story of David and Goliath, they read themselves as David. And whatever problems they're facing in life is their Goliath. But if you think about it, if, if the Bible is about revealing Christ to us, then even the story of David and Goliath is to reveal Christ to us. Well, Jesus comes out of the line of David, and so some of what David went through and faced was to point to Jesus. And what we see over time in the scriptures is that Jesus, the true David, slayed the giant of sin so that we could be freed. It's really more about him than it is about us. Also, if the Bible is all about Jesus... It means that the Bible itself is not God. You see, what some people end up doing is they actually replace their relationship with God with the scriptures. I knew a guy in college who became so convinced that he had to spend three, four, five hours a day reading scripture that if he didn't, God would, in a sense, kick him out of the family. He, he would be destined to hell. In a sense, he felt that he had to read the scriptures in order to be saved. Now, I clearly want you reading the scriptures. I, I, this is why we offer free Bibles on our resource table. I tell you to download one to your phone. I tell you to read it on a, a regular basis to find yourself a Bible reading plan. I want you reading the Bible. But it is not to become a replacement with your relationship with God. The purpose for the scriptures is to reveal Christ to us, not to replace Christ in us. Does that make sense? I, I knew a pastor who unknowingly to himself in his preaching, would almost always say, the Bible says, or what does the text say? And I don't think that's wrong and evil. I, I use some of that language at times. But what, you, what he never did was to say, well, God says. If this scripture is God-breathed, 
then this is actually God is saying through these human authors to the people of that time and to us in our time. And so we can't like make the, the Bible like become this fourth member of the Trinity and, and become actually a block to the one true God. It is to be the funnel that draws us to him because it's through the scriptures we see Jesus. And so don't let it become a replacement for you, but also don't just put it on the shelf. Let it draw you to the risen Christ. Let it reveal Jesus to you. But as I said, I don't think the scriptures is just all about Jesus. I think it's also for you. And, and so that's why I say that the Bible is also part of its purpose is to reveal Jesus in us. If you have your Bible still open there to 2 Timothy 3.17, you notice it says that the purpose is that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In other words, God is wanting to work in you to make you perfect, to make you complete like him, like Jesus. That's why at Riverwood we say we want to live like Jesus lived and love like Jesus loved. And so God is wanting to reveal Christ in you so that he can reveal Christ through you so that you're equipped for all those good works. Uh, Paul, who wrote 2 Timothy, takes this even further in the book of Colossians. In uh, Colossians 1, verses 27 and 28, he says this, to them, the, the them is the saints that he referred to back in verse 26. So to them, to these saints, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, so these non-Jews, how great God is, how great are the riches of his glory of this mystery. Right? So he's saying, he's revealing to the saints just how great he is. He's revealing his glory even among the Gentiles. People that the Jewish people thought God did not love, God did not want. He called the Jews to be separate so the Jews have a special place in God's heart and everyone else is condemned. And instead, through Jesus, God is bringing even Gentiles to himself that this gospel is for all people, all nations, all tribes, all races. And God's revealing this glory. But then notice what he says. What is this mystery that's being revealed? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is why, as we talk about living like Jesus lived and loving like Jesus loved, Jake, when he actually has a voice, usually finishes out our time saying, so go and be a blessing. Go and follow Jesus. Because as you go following Jesus, you're going to reveal him to the world. This is what God wants. And this is why he gave you the scriptures. So now do you see why I encourage you to read the scriptures on a regular basis? Do you see why I, I encourage you to have a Bible and not just use it on Sundays, but to use it every day? Do you see why I want you to be people of the book? Because as you are people of the book, as you put the Bible in its proper place in your life, God not only reveals Christ to you, who is the, the uh, visible image of the invisible God, he helps you see God's love for you. He also is going to be revealing Christ in you and through you. If you're going to go be that blessing, it isn't just going out and trying to be nice. It's going out and representing Jesus. So I want to encourage you, get into the scriptures. If you need a Bible reading plan, uh, download uh, the, some of the Bible plans in the YouVersion app on your phone or go to the Riverwood website, head to our freebies page and the resources and we've got some Bible reading plans there. They're PDFs, you can download and use those. But just get into the scriptures. Begin to discover God's heart. Let God reveal Christ to you so he can then reveal Christ in you and through you and you can go and be that blessing. So Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to be people of the book. 
that we would allow these holy scriptures to have its rightful place in our lives, that we would have a high view, realizing that you have breathed these things out for us. You have made sure to protect them. You've you've given us evidence that this is reliable. And so God, create within us a hunger that we would long to come to you because we want you and we want what you have for us. God, forgive us when we have thought that this Bible is really about us. Help us instead to see it's about you, about your tremendous love for us. And and help us then, Lord, to allow it to correct us. If there's anything in our lives that has not been of you, would would you speak to us? Would you you reshape those things, remove those things from us? So that what is trained within us, what is drawn forth, what is carved out is that image of Jesus. Because you, Jesus, you, you came to this earth when you didn't have to. You lived a sinless life, but you went and died this, the death you did not deserve, that we deserved. But then you rose again from the dead, and you did this on our behalf. So we say thank you. Help us, Father, to see Jesus revealed, but not just to be revealed to us. May we see you continue to transform our character, our inner person, that we would become more and more like your precious son, that we would give our lives to be a blessing to our classmates, to our neighbors, to our family, to our co-workers, that no matter where we go, we would reveal Christ to them because of who you are and what you've done in us and for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hopefully some of this was uh, profitable, as it says in verse 16, as we spent some time letting the Bible teach us. Uh, Hopefully this was used a little bit to train you in righteousness. But also, I realized that maybe you, you came in today and, and there's just some things going on. And this was a bit of correction. And the Holy Spirit is, is showing you and reminding you. I don't want you to feel beat up. Instead, I want you to feel encouraged. That God, through his Holy Spirit, is saying, I love you, I want you, I have something better for you. And he's wanting to correct this. That, that's why we go to the communion elements each week. It, it's the reminder that Jesus went to the cross and died in our place died for our sins. That's the rebuke. Our sins were so evil and horrible and awful, they deserved death. But Jesus went and did it for us. That's the correction. He's now improved things. He's restoring us. And so as you come to these elements this morning, would you let those be the reminder that Jesus, the one who affirmed the scriptures because they're all about him, came for you. So if God needs to do some correcting, would you let him right now? If, if he needs to just encourage you, would you let him? If you need to just say, God, whatever you have for me, this is the time. So as Anna and the team lead us in song, at any moment during the song, feel free to get up and go to the communion elements. If you're joining us online and you have the elements at any time during the song, feel free to uh, uh, partake of those. Uh, if you are not a follower of Jesus, I just want you to know we're really, really, really glad you're here. We started Riverwood Church for you. But also, we, we believe that these communion elements say that the story of Jesus is a part of me. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, I'm going to just ask that you just very respectfully not go to this. You don't need to try to impress anyone here. Some of us, are we were where you're at right now. And so we get it. So we're, none of us are going to look down upon you and like, why aren't they taking? No, this is our time to deal with God. And, and so for you, rather than worry about you know, a little wafer and some juice, would you just talk to God? Spend some time praying, saying, God, if it is true, if what is revealed in the scriptures that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, 
Help me to surrender my life to you and give myself to you. That's what God desires for you today. But if you've already made that decision, I invite you to come at any time during the song. Take the elements, bring them back to your seat, stand on the sides, bend down on your knees, stand and sing. This is our time to worship him and connect with him and allow him to do in us what he wants to so that he can then do through us what he desires to. Let us do this now in remembrance of him.